Today's reading is going to come from 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 40. You can follow me along in your Bible or on your smartphone with the Bible app. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should be kept quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is a disgrace for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate with you, or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they themselves be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Susan. Uh, if you can keep your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as we go through it, that would be great. And it's the final um, part of our series. So if you've missed uh, a few, uh, do go back and listen to it because as um, these are, uh, these have been building um, uh, towards um, uh, this day. But let's pray that God will speak to us now. Lord, we thank you that you are a speaking God and that your word will build us up. Lord, we pray that you will speak to us uh, through these, uh, through this passage. That everything that I will say will be pleasing to you, and everything that we hear um, will be from you. In Jesus' name, Amen. I don't know about um, I don't know if you ever think about this, but there are many, many decisions each uh, that needs to be made each time we gather as a church that you probably don't think about. What temperature should the room be set at? Which songs should we sing and how many songs? Which passage should we read and, and preach from? How, many, how much snacks should we prepare downstairs for refreshments? Should we have djembe or drums? Or should we, what about the lighting? Some people prefer really light lighting. Some people prefer a little, little bit darker lighting. How solemn should, should, should we be? Should we be like high Anglican church or should we be low Anglican? What, how should we make these decisions? Well, that's, I think, where Paul has been leading us to in these past few chapters. And you can find the answer at the end of verse 26. Everything must be done so that the church is built up. 
This is the criterion by which we have to decide everything as we come together in the church. What would be most helpful for building people up? Think about the songs that the music leaders have chosen today. In a concert, I mean, Singa, I think, is here. Singa is a world-class musician. Singa will choose her songs to play based on uh, maybe showing the uh, different elements of her skills. How beautiful the song is. How difficult the song is. But that's not our criteria as we come. We chose these songs because we believe that these songs speak God's truth, and it will build you up. The leading service, leading of the service... Or, I mean, David isn't here to impress you today, but with his words to build you up. Those serving on the PA team are doing so because uh, if we hear these words well, it will build up the church. Sam has chosen the temperature, 26, after many weeks of testing because uh, temp- uh, 26 Celsius doesn't put you to sleep, <laughs> but it's comfortable enough for everybody. It will build us up. Refreshments team work tirelessly down there because when we have food, when we have this, when we create space for people to hang out, it creates an opportunity for us to mingle together as the body of Christ and speak God's word and truth to each other's lives. We come to build each other up. And that's what we're to do when we come together, verse 26. But I want to ask if that's why you've come today. Did you come for yourself just to be built up? But did you also come to build others up? Did you come to be a consumer or a contributor? See, Paul went on, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Each of you brings something. And that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 was all about. That we are members of the body of Christ. That we are here to contribute even as we come on Sunday. To those who have been sitting on the sidelines, could I challenge you to build others up even today? You know, it might simply mean that you sing a bit loudly. Right? It's hugely encouraging. I don't know if you've ever stopped singing and just listened. It's hugely encouraging when the church of God is singing together. In loud voice, in unison, in praise of God, it's encouraging. Don't just sing for yourself, but sing for others. There are many other simple ways to build people up. Coming to church on time (laughs) builds people up. Looking around and welcoming new people builds the church up. Speaking to those around you um, after the service builds them up. Praying for people. Maybe staying after and listening to people's problems and and praying for them builds them up. And if you want to find out, pick up a copy of a a book called How to Walk into a Church. By Tony Payne. That's in the bookstall. It's only 20 bucks. It'll give you some instructions on how to make uh, use of Sunday as a ministry day. Not just for me, but for all of you. These are small things, but they mean a lot. But you might also want to desire greater gifts. Greater gifts, gifts that speak of God's truth to each other. And what's surprising in this verse, in 26, is how Paul assumes that each of you brings some of that as well. Speaking of God's truth, right? Each of you has a hymn, or a word of instruction, or a revelation, or a tongue, or an interpretation, 
He says, desire these gifts because these gifts of speaking God's truth will build up the church. Assumption is that it's not just the preachers or the prophets who speak. Each of you can speak without being particularly gifted. You know that. Some weeks, sermons are unfortunately the weakest part of the service. You might have walked away, not by the sermon, but maybe the words of a song. It really touched you. Uh, Someone's testimony that you heard. Maybe someone prayed for you after the service. Someone encouraged you during the refreshments time. Someone listened to your problems and just said a few wise words that really spoke into their lives. Each of you can speak. And we can desire that we might be more effective in speaking, right? Desire greater gifts. Bring a song, word of instruction, revelation, even tongue with interpretation. When we all speak God's truth into each other's lives, we are built up into maturity. That's how we grow. And in a few weeks' time at the 1130 service, we're going to try something um, to encourage more people to speak, even during the service. At the end of the service, we'll have a time of response when those who have been touched by the Spirit, those who have been moved, uh, have been moved uh, will be given an opportunity to come up to the front and share that and respond to what God has done during the service. And this is just to recognize that it is really all of us who are to speak to each other. It is all of us who have the gift of the Spirit in us, and it's all of us who can build each other up. Our service should be marked by mutual edification. But I think one of the fears that we have for this is when we have something like this, we fear that the mic would go to the wrong person. Maybe a person who will speak for a long time. Or a person who might just say some random things. Or maybe even some heresies. We worry that it'll get out of control. The Corinthian church was out of control. If you look at verse 27 and 28, for example, he tells that the church, in that church, uh, uh, so if somebody speaks in tongue, uh, only one person should speak and there should be interpretation. You see, apparently multiple people were speaking in tongue at the same time without any interpretation, without people, uh, the church, knowing any idea what was going on. And something similar seemed to be happening with prophesying as well, verse 29 to 31. Multiple people were prophesying at once, speaking at once. Corinthians thought that using spiritual gifts meant that things had to be out of their control and in the Spirit's control. So they spoke in tongue and prophesied whenever they felt that the Spirit moved them. Paul says that's not how we should worship as Christians. That's how pagans worship. People lose control to evil spirits that take possession over their lives. But that shouldn't happen to us because, verse 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. Even though the Holy Spirit is speaking through these people, they still have control. They, got, they, 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 can, uh, they can remain in control. Plus, If that kind of disorder happens, he says, it's inconsistent to the God that we worship, God who is God of peace, verse 33. I don't know if you thought about this, but this means, it's a humbling thing to think about, but this means that sometimes it's more appropriate for us not to use our gifts. The world says, 
If you have it, you should flaunt it. <laughs> if you've got a nice car, you should show it off. If you've got a nice bag, well, go to, you know, carry it uh, to the nice, uh, to the, the to dinner party so everybody can look at it and go, wow. But not so with spiritual gifts because they weren't given for you. They weren't given for you to show off. Our overriding concern is whether my exercising of this gift will edify the body or not. Whether my exercising of this gift will contribute to, uh, uh, to, to peaceful learning or disorder. Speaking in tongue without translation does not build up. There might be room for spontaneous dancing or singing in the church, but if it contributes to disorder, if it distracts, then actually it's better for you not to speak. It's better for you to not to exercise some of the gifts that you've, uh, you've been given. And this principle is carried forward to the instruction to the women. And the next part, women should remain silent in the churches. They're in churches. They're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says, verse 34 to 35. This at first seems to confirm all our um, worst fears about the Bible, uh, people who believe that the Bible enshrines outdated cultural patriarchy and other cultural practices like this. At first glance, they seem to be right. In Greek culture, like it was for many, women were discouraged from speaking uh, in public. Uh, Greek philosopher Plutarch, who lived uh, just around the time of Paul, wrote this. A woman ought to do her talking either to her husband or through her husband. The Jewish people thought that it was a sin even for women to learn. This passage seems to echo this. But if we have the whole Bible, uh, Paul can't be outlawing all female speaking in the church here because we know that because he assumes back in chapter 11 that women are praying and speaking. This is chapter 11, verse 5. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. I'm not going to go into that, but he says that women are prophesying and praying. They are speaking in the church. And Christianity was radical in this way, that against the Jewish culture, women were taught. They were considered disciples of Christ. Against the Greek culture, women were, uh, though in submission, prayed in, uh, prayed and prophesied in the church. How is it that, and Paul is saying that women should remain silent in the church now, in chapter 14. Once again, it goes back to the orderly worship, the context. I can't be certain what the problem was exactly, um, but the problem wasn't the prophesying. But what happened afterwards? So if you take a look at verse 29, it says there that when people prophesy, two or three prophets should speak, and then the others should weigh carefully what is said. So after this time of teaching and prophesying, there was weighing of what was said. People asked questions. People discussed uh, what, was, what, what, what was taught. And here probably was where the problem was, that women might have been questioning prophecies of men in the church, perhaps even their own husbands, in a way that dishonored them, contributing also to the chaos, the worship that, keeps, that kept on going. People, if you think about this, if Niels preached and EJ just got up and said, that's not what Jesus teaches, 
That should contribute to the disorder. That, should, that, 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 that dishonors Niels. Mary would never do that, by the way. <laughs> I think something like that is going on in the church. So Paul says, if you want to learn, if you have questions, wives should ask their husbands at home. They should ask their husbands because God is God of peace. And here's the takeaway. Just because you're permitted to speak doesn't mean that you should speak. Having gifts doesn't always mean using gifts. The question should always be, Will my speaking edify? Will it cause disruption or peace? Because God is God of peace. The way that we worship should reflect God's character. And that sort of disorder, people doing their own thing, speaking uh, when they want to, um, praying at the same time, was actually quite unusual even for the early church. But the Corinthians thought that they were unique. They, they could do it because they were filled with the Spirit. They were spiritual. So Paul told, tells them, uh, helps them to put all that into perspective by pointing out that the Word of God didn't directly come to them. It came from him, the Apostle of Christ, verse 36. Did the Word of God originate with you? Not only that, Paul reminds them that actually they're the only church that are behaving like this. No other churches are behaving like this. Or are you the only people it has reached? And just in case they don't get the message, he then goes to write, If anyone thinks that they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am saying, what I'm writing to you, is the Lord's command. Verse 37, if anyone thinks that they have the gift of listening to God's voice, he says, let them recognize that my voice, my writing is from the Lord. He distinguishes his writing as scripture against which all prophecies, all teaching of the church should be weighed against. He writes with God's authority. And that's also what should characterize our worship, submission to the authority of the word of God, the Bible. You know, we do things a bit differently uh, from the Corinthian church these days, don't we? And that's not a bad thing. Even in the most charismatic churches, people don't sit around waiting for prophets to speak. We all, no matter which church we go to, we all open up the Bible first. Because we all agree that we have the apostles' teaching. We, we have the Lord speaking through the scripture. That we can hear God's voice through it, first and foremost. And during the time of the New Testament, if you think about it, prophecies were extraordinarily important because Jesus didn't write anything down. And when Jesus left, they, they depended on the apostles, the apostles whom Christ appointed as the main teachers of the church. The, he, says, he, he said uh, that the Holy Spirit would be sent and remind them of everything that Jesus had taught them. So they depended on the apostles first and also the prophets those who were able to discern God's voice and speak and teach the early church. Paul wrote to the Ephesians that God was revealing his mysteries through the apostles and the prophets in chapter 3. These two offices, apostles and prophets, were so important that Paul wrote that the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets as Jesus as our cornerstone in Ephesians 2.20. But in time... The words of the apostles 
and the, uh, and the prophets were written down and recorded in the scripture. They became the authority in the church. If you think about it, this is why Corinthians is written. The Bible is written. Paul writes these letters so that they can function as authoritative word of God in that church. He meant that he knew that he was writing scripture. And it's not a surprise then. There is not that much instructions about prophecies at the later books. Especially if you look at the, um, the last book, one of the last books uh, that Paul wrote, Second uh, Timothy. Listen to what he wrote to Timothy. What you have heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching. Guard the good deposit that was tr- entrusted to you. Second Timothy 1, 13, 14. Guard, keep the words that have been given to you. And he then gives this charge. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. There's nothing about new revelations, new teachings, but to guard the good deposit, to teach and preach the words of the apostles and the prophets that are recorded now. So in all churches, wherever you go, this is what we do. We first open up the Bible because we know that this is God speaking to all of us. Of course, this doesn't mean that the prophesying has stopped. It still goes on, and some of you have had the experience of hearing from God. They're valuable, and we ought to be paying attention to what God has to say to our church to our individual lives, to our situations. And if you have, if you hear a word from God in this way, please do come and tell us so that we might know, we might pay attention to what God is saying. But the main way that all Christians hear from God each week is through the scripture, through preaching, through one-to-ones, through Bible studies, in speaking the truth that we have learned from the apostles into our lives So we come to church to listen to God's voice. Scripture is a gift to all of us, and we can't ignore it because those who ignore it, verse 38, will themselves be ignored by God. So I hope you came with the eager expectation that God will speak, that the Scripture is God's voice, that preaching, as we expound on it, Is God speaking to all of us? The Spirit should lead us to pay attention to these words. The Spirit leads us to listen to his voice in the scriptures. He empowers us to use our gifts to edify the church, to to desire greater gifts. He leads us to worship him in a way that reflects his character. And that really is the picture of a spirit-filled church. But as we end this series, let me say this. Shatin Church is a very different church from the Corinthian church. Our problem isn't that there are too many people speaking. Our problem isn't disorder. I think our worship is marked mostly by rule of love, rule to edify each other, peace and scripture, 
But as we end the series, could I leave you with this thought? If none of that dynamism, none of that power and spontaneity that marked the Corinthian church is present here in Shatin Church, perhaps we're not all listening to God. We're not all using the, our spiritual gifts. Perhaps we're not loving enough to eagerly uh, uh, desire greater gifts to exercise them. That we're not building each other up as we should. But the Spirit is here. So please do test your gifts. Do exercise them. Go out and love and speak to build up the church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of church that you bring us as one body from our many, many different backgrounds and cultures, Lord, different people and personalities, and we thank you that you make us one. And we thank you that you've given us your spirit as we turn to you, that each of us brings a gift. Lord, now help us to discover those gifts. Help us to test out these gifts. Help us to love and desire gifts to serve one another. And Lord, may Shatin Spirit, Shatin Church will be marked by your great power, marked by everyone exercising their gifts, loving and building each other up by speaking the truth of your word. And may we grow into maturity, into the headship of Christ. Now, Lord, fill us, fill our church with the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.